Okay, I'm, I'm ready. I am headphone ready. Cool. All right. <sighs> so, um, okay. this week you sent some photos of the Canadian-American border. Um, oh, we're jumping right into that topic. topic. It's the first thing on our list. I, I don't even have the list up yet. I think you wrote the oh, list, wow. Zach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we can, we, can, we can change the order. No. So, I have a... <laughs> Very different T-shirt on today than usual. <laughs> cool. Thanks Not for letting us know. Let's talk about the border. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Do you want so, to tell us about your we'll, T-shirt? We'll, sure. We'll do the very. We'll do the smaller topic first. Okay. Um, so this week we got some cup of tech merchandise, or specifically, I got some cup of tech <laughs> merchandise to try things out. Um, I, I am now wearing a Cup of Tech t-shirt, which I tweeted a photo of, and mm-hmm. I think people seem to like it. It actually looks mm. really cool. Um, so, I picked that up this week. It looks like yeah, the logo actually looks really good, so the print turned out quite nice. Um, I think you've both looked at getting some as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. It's yeah, really- hopefully before dubbed up, so yeah. we can all have our Cup of Tech t-shirts on yeah. for some of the conference. Uh, but no, we I also will have- wear the same t-shirt for the entire conference. That sounds like you. <laughs> Just tell people that you have you printed multiple of the same at least. Yeah, yeah of you course got five. I love. <laughs> yep, yep. I mean that's that's what I'm doing anyway. I'll bring seven of the same t-shirts. You know, it's only as a long five as they all conference. have a cup of tech logo. Yeah, uh, maybe half of them will. <laughs> All right. No. Uh, what I really, <laughs> this this is really going anywhere. Um, I'm gonna jump in there. Um, I really liked it when the, on the picture I saw that you sent us, Zach. It actually looked like a real coffee stain, which is it does. <laughs> I, I think can be slightly concerning, but also really cool. Um, I think as long as you have the text inside of it, people will understand that it's not a coffee stain. So um, I think it's really cool. Uh, I want to have one too. Um, I think we should clarify that we're not really going to print an axis of these. It's mostly for us right now, just because we feel like we're not going to be able to raise some type of campaign, I guess, to print it for other people. Yeah, Um, t-shirts at this stage is just a sort of fun thing for us. But we do also have stickers, which are not just for us. (laughs) So my laptop also has a cup of tech sticker on it now, (laughs) and I have 49 more uh, somewhere upstairs. That will be given out at Dub Dub. Well, not all of them will be given out. You two get some, and then oh, we'll give you. the rest out. But yeah, so we'll have. If you see us at WWDC, and we'll all be there, and we'll all be in and around the conference, because I think we can say that now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll all be in and around the conference at WWDC. Uh, you can you can ask us for a cup of tech stickers if you're a listener, and we should all have a supply. So that'll be cool. Hopefully. Mm. 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 Um, and also, yeah, the logo looks really good. I think the new, well, the new logo, I should say, looks really good. I think it looks a lot better than the old logo would have on printed materials, um, such as t-shirts and stickers. So, good job, Mullen. Um, it looks really good as a thank as you. a circular sticker, especially. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, it had that designing with that in mind. You know, you have to think about what what will look to, good on a t-shirt and what won't. Of course, I'm pretty sure you said right from the very beginning that it has to look good on t-shirts. So yeah, I know it that. Does. Like, I really liked our old cover art, but that was more like cover art. It wasn't an actual logo. Yeah. So, and it was cute. It was nice that we could put like Santa hats on during Christmas. Um, but it was like I think I think it wasn't very 
identifiable and people didn't really understand what it was. So I think these are much better. They are a lot clearer and yeah, perfect for t-shirts and stickers. What will we do for special occasions now though? What are we doing for Christmas? Eggnog stain? I think you could still put a Santa hat over the sea in the cup of tech. I think that would work. Yeah, I have some ideas though. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'm thinking we could have like a, I don't know what they're called. You know those things that you hang on the door? <laughs> Holly? Doorbells? No. Yeah, you mean at Christmas? Yeah. Like the, um, the thing made out of Christmas tree material. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it holly? Oh, oh. Is that the name of it? You know, like a... It's, I, I could be really uh, wrong here, but... Christmas... Ring. Door decoration. I, I, I really don't know if we need to know the name of the ring. Okay, but that's what I'm thinking. Something like that, potentially. I think the official name is just door ring. Door ring, yeah. Yep. yeah that sounds reasonable. Very uh, festival, festive. Um, but yeah, maybe something like that uh, could be cute. Uh, or or yeah. eggnog, um, maybe. Or yeah, some other type of beverage. I don't know. What eggnog. beverage is... That's so American. What do you drink in <laughs> Australia? <laughs> um, I mean, it's Australia, isn't it? Mostly alcohol. <laughs> that's, that's what I was afraid of. But there's no Christmas alcohol that you drink, I guess. No, that is true. I mean, you can put, I mean, you can buy eggnog and you can put alcohol in it. Um, <laughs> but this is, this is sounding very Australian. Uh, no, like, I don't know. You, you can buy eggnog, but it's not really an Australian thing. I don't know. There's no dedicated drink. Okay. So eggnog's cool. Let's go with eggnog. Well, I'm according sure, to wait, Wikipedia, wait, wait. eggnog has also gained popularity in Australia. So, um, yes, it, it does uh, make an appearance in supermarkets around Christmas time. And that's been especially the case the last couple of years. Mm. I'm sure we will figure something out. But I don't think we should have an eggnog stain. I, I feel like people will not get, get the difference <laughs> there. We have um, eight months to decide. So, we'll get there. Plenty of time. Yeah. There's also, I mean... That's not the only special special episode for the year, though. We also have our in-person dub-dub recording that needs a special mm. cover art and New Year's, maybe. And Oh, New Year's would just be... Um, firework. Firework. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Um, anyways, uh, good job on getting those t-shirts and um, stickers, Zach. Thanks. Glad. Thanks for drawing the logo. Looks good. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> And I'm here also. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm excited. Like seeing those, seeing the t-shirts, seeing the stickers. It's like really excited for WWDC. Um, mm. So that'll be good. Yeah, and but I'm very, very impressed. I think you very much out in time. I think other people, sometimes other people who want to make stickers or t-shirts tend to be very last minute with those things. <laughs> Do you mean us when you say uh, other people? I mean people on the internet, people... Look, but living in Australia, we know shipping takes three years <laughs> for anything to get here. So I have to be prepared. <laughs> like last year, I think I ordered some podcast t-shirts for, for other podcasts, mm-hmm. maybe maybe about this time of year, something like that. And they didn't come in time for WWDC, even though that was the idea. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I think they arrived the week I was away. Oh. That's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good job on that.
So, our next topic. This week, you sent a photo of you at the border. Well, you weren't in the photo, but you sent a photo of the American-Canadian border. Yes, we did. Do you care to explain a little bit more about this? So, we are now officially permanent residents of Canada. So, that's exciting. Thank you. Um, And I just thought it was kind of a fun fun way of... uh, actually obtaining that because it's quite different here from uh, any other place we've been to. So I thought it might be fun to talk about that. Um, how much do you know about the process we've been going through so far? Not a lot. I know it sounded like, sound like a lot of work and they needed a lot of information <laughs> and it sounded like there was a lot of forms and a lot of paperwork and lots of payslips and lots of employment documents and lots of bank statements and all those things that you need. But apart from it being a lot of work and you often having to rush away to finish the application after recording, I don't really know much else. <laughs> so, this is why I thought it'd be great to talk about it on the podcast, get some insights, find out a little bit about what you had to go through, and then also why you ended up at the border <laughs> in order to get the permanent residency. Um, and I know you've told me that before, but I think it will be good to refresh my mind and also talk about it on the podcast yeah also a disclaimer up front this time around uh, i i did send a tweet um that basically just saying yeah we got permanent residency and i said if you have any questions about moving to canada feel free to send me a direct message and i regretted having said that (laughs) because i got uh way too many direct messages as a response from a whole bunch of people that i've never spoken to before um so uh just in this case we're we're not making that offer again uh because i have another three months of working through my existing direct messages um, but if we have ever met, then feel free to send either me or Marlin a direct message. What? Why are you, why are you dragging me into this? <laughs> You've been just splitting <laughs> the work. Okay. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. So, uh, just then a really quick uh, roundup of what we've had to get um, to the point of going to the border was basically we, we moved, we want to move to Canada. So, because both Mon and me were under 30, we could apply for the International Experience Canada visa, which is basically similar to an Australian working holiday type work ho- working holiday. I don't know what it's called, something like that in Australia, which means you can come to, to the country, work for a year, basically on an open work permit, and then you would usually leave um during that period we applied for um express entry which is a way of getting permanent residency directly as a um because you're qualified as a in air quotes skilled person um and on top of that nice thank you i mean i mean the the requirements are essentially uh, you have to have a um bachelor's degree and um then there's a point-based system yeah so the more i think it's also uh, yeah no sorry move on so there's a point-based system which basically um, everything that increases your likeliness of being a successful immigrant to Canada gives you more points. So being able to speak English, more points. Being able to speak French, more points. Uh, the higher your level of education, you get more points. If you already have Canadian work experience, a lot more points. If you have, in general, work experience, uh, some points. And all those kind of points can add up. And then what Canada does is they're saying, we're picking, I don't know, a thousand people and the people with the thousand most points are being selected. And then there's usually, because you start with all the people that have a lot of points and then you kind of go down the list, you usually end up with some kind of number of points most people have in order to be selected to apply for permanent residency. 
And I have a question at this point. Yes. <laughs> Just okay. How do you get points for having worked in Canada if you <laughs> have not been to Canada before? So a lot of people or if you don't live there. A lot of people would have studied here, for example. So you get you get a lot of extra points if you uh, uh, if you got a uh, Canadian degree, or some people okay. have uh, I don't know they've been to Canada before and got work experience, or some people just um, started working here on a work permit that was bound to a specific employer. So some people might oh, have okay. worked here yeah. for three years and then they decide, hey, we want to stay, and then they apply for the system, and then they're saying, I have three years of work experience in. In, um, in Canada, and then you get a whole bunch of points. Um, okay, so we, we kind of had more of a brute force approach. We wanted to be here, but obviously we didn't have a Canadian degree or work, work experience. So then most provinces, so Canada is... Uh, yeah, but so that means that with the brute force... When you say brute force, you meant that we basically went there on a work permit that was valid for a limited amount of time, but we could work wherever we want. And then... Yeah. Um, Oh, you weren't breaking your way into the system. No, no, it was all <laughs> right. Everything <laughs> very, very legit, but we, we knew we would figure it out. So we were quite confident. We wanted to come here kind of, I don't know, urgent might be the wrong word, but we knew we wanted to move to Canada and we thought might as well go as soon as we can. That's and we also we thought getting as much work experience here in Canada would be good. So we could do that on the other work permit that we have. Um, but then as soon as we, Realized that it was a great country with palm trees. Uh, we decided that we should apply for the per- permanent residency. All about those palm trees. Exactly. It's really funny. Whenever pe- people make palm tree jokes to me now, <laughs> it's strange. <laughs> and they should. I think that's the appropriate uh, joke to make. Um, way to find out who listens to the show. <laughs> <laughs> so if you see Zach next time and you don't make a palm tree joke, you know what that what Zach assumes. Um, that you're not a listener and you do not care about anything Zach is doing. <laughs> so keep the palm tree jokes coming, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> anyway, uh, that was a weird tangent. Um, obviously, Canada is split into 10 provinces and three territories. And every every one of <laughs> obviously. those... Obviously. Yep. Every one of those has um, additional um, powers on enabling certain types of people to... Uh, uh, come to to Canada, so w- a way of that being achieved is the provincial nomination system or pro- a provincial nomination program. So in in the province we're living in, British Columbia, um, the there is currently a um, a desire to attract more tech talent into the province, and therefore they started a BC Tech Pilot, is what the program is called. So if you have a job offer from a tech company in in bc uh you can basically apply for the nomination which means yeah, the there pro- are obviously some other criteria for this so if you want to apply for this uh, look it up uh, before before you trust this i think this changes on quite a regular basis uh, also we we're not lucky. immigration lawyers or anything even remotely no. qualifying us to to give advice on this yeah but this is maybe- just our personal experience yeah <laughs> good disclaimer thank you um, smooth huh uh, but if you're applying for that... We also know nothing about programming, Apple, tech, <laughs> uh, sport. What else do we talk about? Weather, palm, palm trees. trees. <laughs> weather, yeah, all those things. Yeah. Um, uh, cool. So Is it really we, a podcast if you don't say, take this with a grain of salt? <laughs> I, I, I mean... That you you only spoke for yourself. I'm I'm obviously an expert in all of those <laughs> topics, especially palm trees. Um, so DM Kai about your palm tree <laughs> issues. 
I, I should close my DMs again. Um, <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> um, anyway, so all the provinces have some kind of ways of, of making it easier to, for people to come to come to those provinces. So British Columbia having the tech pilot um, and you have a tech job here that can say, we as British Columbia nominate Molly and Kai to, to come to Canada. And then they, uh, if you're nominated, you get an extra 600 points. And at the moment, the threshold to get your uh, permanent residency or being invited to apply for your permanent residency is somewhere around the mid 400s or higher 400s. So it basically guarantees that in the next draw where they start picking people that you will get your, your invitation. And that when you get the invitation, you then send them all the paperwork that basically proves everything you've told them up front. So then you have to bring up, find all your uh, evidence of work experience, so letters from all your previous employers and, and kind of your um, actual diploma or your degree or whatever you might have, uh, your um, English language skill uh, proofs or whatever English test you would have done. Uh, if you do have that for French, you would have to send that too. So that's when all the kind of paperwork really starts because then you have to collect all of that and and just put a package together you have to know all the addresses that you've ever or that you've lived in in the last 10 years uh so that was fun for us because we did move a lot um all the all the trips you've done like all the international trips um every single one you have to list in in order uh in what do you call that Mm, date order Uh, um, ascending order what is it called? Ascending order. No, but date. What is a date order? Ordered called? by date. Chronological. Chronological order. Chronological order. order. There order. we yeah. go. Thank you. Um, um, yes. Yeah. And then you do that, and then there is like a process where the government of Canada evaluates all of that, and at some point you get what's called a confirmation of permanent residency, which is basically a document that the uh, government of Canada now invites you to become a permanent resident of of this country. But you're technically still on your work permit or whatever visa you've been on before. So now unless that's, you're outside of the country. Unless you're outside of the country. But if you're already here, you're currently still on a work permit. And now there needs to be some kind of system or method of, of changing over from your work permit to your new permanent residency. And the system that seems to be the case in North America is you have to re-enter the country. And what is the easiest way of re-entering the country is briefly leaving to one of the neighboring countries and coming back. And that's what what we ended up doing. So in order to re-enter Canada... Yeah, not that many neighboring countries with Canada either. So yeah, yeah, um, that's what we ended up at the one? U.S. crossing. Yes. yes. I mean, depends on your I mean, definition of neighboring. There's a land border only with... Um, yeah, that's US. what I meant. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there are also oceans. And Isn't stuff, that right? technically one with Russia, or is that going to Russia. Greenland? I have to look this up. <laughs> uh, keyboard clicking. I mean, I mean, land border. I mean, there's no connection to can from Canada to any other. Oh no, uh, you're right. Russia is connecting to Alaska. I mean, even that is not actually connected. I mean, they're close to each other, but there's no connection. Sure is. Where? It's a land At connection Yukon. to Alaska. Oh, no, sorry. From But from Alaska to Russia, there is no. Uh, oh, no. No, 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 you're right. Maybe when there's ice. Hmm. 
Okay. Um, anyway, so we only have one land border. Um, so I actually didn't. I'm just looking at a map. I didn't realize <laughs> it was so close to Russia. Like, yeah, wow. I know. Alaska. Like Russia sticks out quite a bit. Mm. It's crazy, yeah. right? It is. Well, uh, I, I don't know. I hadn't considered this. <laughs> just somewhere in my mind had never considered this. But there's actually not that much land between the two. I mean, uh, water between mm. the two. I know. Like you wow. could, I would think you could see Russia from the US up there. I imagine so. Yeah. Wow. Hence the importance of Alaska for the Americans because it's it's a pretty good place for for military bases and stuff. Wow. Okay. Cool. This <laughs> yeah. is just general knowledge on <laughs> Cup of Tech. Love this. This is great. Yeah. If it wouldn't be freezing all the time, we could probably swim across that. <laughs> In my mind, there was a huge gap and... Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Anyway. Moving on. Um, Sorry. We, we didn't swim to Russia and back <laughs> because we thought that might be inconvenient. So, what we did instead is we took a public transport bus and down to the border um, and then started walking from the bus stop. And it's really weird. Um, the border is definitely not designed for pedestrians. It's like all of a sudden there's a sign pedestrians this way and it's just a, a street you have to cross where people actually drive. So we're like, uh... And it, it feels kind of weird because, I don't know, I mean, you, Zag, you've been to US and to US border again. It's not necessarily the most inviting environment. It always feels a bit... Uh, strict and, and you don't want to do something it's wrong it's very serious yeah, yeah. Yes. you know that you're doing a serious business you want to make sure that you get all the things right and that you have your paperwork and tell them what you want to do you shouldn't be hesitant so so just not really knowing where to walk and then just yeah. walking across the street very close to border just felt kind of i don't know i was we were very cautious of not doing anything wrong because you don't want to be but they can they don't really like if you cross at the wrong point yeah. But it makes sense, I think. Yeah, but it was it was definitely an environment where like, oh, it was a bit uncomfortable being so close to a border and not being exactly... Sh- there was no not enough, n- not a lot of good signage of how to behave. So I was like a bit uneasy of doing the wrong thing. Um, in general, that area is really strange. So um, if you look at a map, um, we, we actually went to Point Robert. This is good for podcasting. I will put it in the show notes. Okay. Um... And uh, it's it's basically there's a Canadian town really close to the border, and the Canadian and U.S. border is not fully there's no there's no wall there's no fencing there's no uh, border guards ev- all along the entire border, so there are only certain parts where you're allowed to cross. And yeah, it's like they have like it's a, like a like a stick with a sign on. Sometimes yeah. it's not even a fence. It's just like just so you know, this is the U.S. This is Canada, but it's weird because like you could basically have a neighbor who is American and you're Canadian and you could never really go over for a dinner just like that. You would have to actually cross the border at the border crossing, uh, which is weird. And I can also imagine if you have a dog and the dog is running away, that would be difficult because you can't follow <laughs> the dog across the border. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then obviously because um, we wanted to actually present ourselves to the Canadian border, we didn't actually want to go to you guys. Um, what what you're doing, it's, it's, it feels kind of weird and felt kind of weird, is you go to the US border and you're saying, hey, I actually don't want to enter. Um, I actually want to basically uh, reject or, or withdraw my request to enter the country. Um, and then they give you a stamp in your passport saying that you withdrew your, your request to enter. Mm. Uh, and then they say, uh, and now quickly walk back to to Canada. And we're like, uh, okay. Um, 
I ask which way, and she's like, "The way you came, obviously." It's like, okay, just want to make sure. <laughs> sure, like maybe we have to walk around the building because that's what the cars did. Yeah, so it was very, very confusing. But it again, good signage. It, it is, it is a bit annoying, right? If if I would, if I would have picked any other way except for the way I came from, she would have been super upset that I just went the wrong way, right? And it's like, what are you trying to do? Illegally enter the country? So I, I feel like asking which way to go back seemed more sensible than just assuming whatever way I might want to take. But whatever. Um, so they were, as as expected, not particularly friendly over there uh, at the u.s border and then we walked five meters back um on the way back from the u.s border to the canadian border that's when i uh, took the picture that i sent to you where you can see the strip of of border i'll put that in the show notes too and then you essentially do the same thing on the canadian side you stand in line again you wait for them to 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 call you out most of them are most people that cross the border are cars so at some point you hear pedestrians and you're like oh I guess that's us. And then you walk up and they're way friendlier. <laughs> Especially when you have the contrast between the US border and the Canadian border. It's like night and day. Despite them having technically the same same job title, being within 10 meters of each other. It's like the Canadians are like, oh, hello, welcome. Uh, how can I help? And you're like, hey, we're, we're here for our landing interview. And they're like, oh, congratulations. <laughs> uh can you give me your passport? And then after that, I'll just scan them here and then you can go inside and someone will help you inside. And so, like super relaxed and super friendly. Everyone being excited that we got our permanent residency. Uh, sent you in and then there was this guy that helped us out, answered any questions we might have, congratulated us twice hmm. <laughs> uh, again on, on becoming permanent residents. Yeah. And then like explain what we need to do next, like how that we need to get a new social insurance number and all of that and... Yeah, then just saying congratulations and giving us all our paperwork back, and mm. that's it. Asking us uh, questions that he needed to, like how much money we're carrying with us. Uh, and he was like, I don't actually know why why I have to ask ask you that question, but I'm pretty sure I would get in trouble if I don't. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was that was way nicer of an experience. And got a couple of stamps, and then you're good to go. You're a, now a permanent resident of Canada. And... About forty to forty-five days later, they will you will have a permanent residence card in your mailbox. Mm. Perfect mm. timing before dub dub. <laughs> in, in, in theory, it could be perfect timing. We'll see. Um, um, yeah, and then we could just take the bus back. Mm. That's back really home. good. Yeah. Congratulations again. Thank That's, you. Thank you. Yeah, it's such, cool. I mean, it's a strange process, but it's a, it's still a really smooth process. It's like, well, once we came to Canadian side, everything seemed like we, we were able to do every, everything was done correctly. And it took like five minutes and we got, everyone was happy for us. And then, yeah, we just, <laughs> we were just Have going cake back. cake and balloons. <laughs> I also heard some horror stories though. Some people went to the US border and they rejected their entry rather than them withdrawing oh. their request. So then they had like a, they, they were called in, had to give their fingerprints and iris scans uh. and got a form and had a formal rejection on their record. Mm -hmm. So that means oh, that no. anytime, anytime from then on that they want to actually travel to the US, they will have to go through extra security and be asked why they were rejected at the border. And that also means you're uh, disqualified for things like an ESTA and those kind of things. So did you have an, a valid ESTA? At this point? I mean, an ESTA is only for commercial travel. 
because we walked and Esther doesn't really matter anyway. So if you do a, if you do, if you're, I, I don't know, self-propelled, if you walk or, or drive yourself, then you don't, and Esther doesn't do anything for you anyway. What you then do uh, is an I-94W form. So it's just a green <laughs> form or, yeah, it's a green form in our case. You just fill that out and you could cross. So you don't have to apply for anything online before. And okay. they they staple that in your passport, and then when you come back, the Canadian or whatever border you would cross, like if you would go, I don't know, from the Mexican side, it's the same. Then they just take that form out of your passport when you leave. Okay. So that's that's basically how it works for for um, non commercial travel. So Very yeah, you, in theory, if you want to enter, you don't really need anything if you're doing a land crossing. Okay. But um, we didn't we we didn't really want to enter anyway. Um, yeah. So we basically just said we don't want to be here. Can you please <laughs> send us back to Canada and then give you a sp- specific stamp um, that just sends you back? But yeah, That's I'm good. I'm quite happy that we got that one because uh, it sounded like a nightmare. Because then I also saw some people saying, "Hey, we tried to apply at the Department of um, Homeland Security to get that entry removed from your rec- permanent record, and obviously that mm-hmm. was like a five-year process that led to nothing. Oh yeah, that wouldn't mm-hmm. be easy. So yeah, there. That's why we were a bit nervous about the process because we wanted to be very sure that we're not getting a a rejection, but a we withdraw uh, withdraw our request to enter. But yeah, it seemed to. I mean, we'll see when we go to San Jose this summer, but so far everything seemed like... I mean, it literally says flagpoling, which is the... That's what this kind of thing is called when you're going to the border to go back. Uh, That kind of procedure is called flagpoling. It's relatively common for people that want to renew their work permits or validate their permanent residency and those kind of things. Um, And that's what the stamp says. So I'm I'm very confident that we're okay. But yeah, that, that that was the process. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I would say smooth, but it wasn't like it was still a process. But overall, I think everything is done online, which is really nice. And um, I feel like <laughs> everything is very clear. So even though there's a lot of things to do, you know how the different steps work. So yeah, I think overall it was a pretty good process. Mm. But for me, it's been a long time. Like in Australia, obviously, you, you never have land border crossings. Mm, no. Like the only border you would ever cross is usually at an airport when you arrive somewhere. And it's really hard to... I mean, you would never fly there to not want to be let in. So it's definitely was a new... No, that would be an extreme waste of money. <laughs> and time and everything else. Um, and also, the, the airline probably wouldn't even let you board if you don't have a way of entering the country you're flying to. Um mm-hmm. So and in Europe, like when I lived in Europe, since like for the longest time of my life, um, obviously the European borders were were no longer there were no longer borders that you would notice. There's a sign "Welcome to Belgium," "Welcome to Holland," or the Netherlands, "Welcome to the Netherlands." But there wouldn't be any border crossing as such, so you wouldn't really, yeah. you might not even notice it. So this was uh, a bit weird again to. And also, an airport, you're very unlikely to accidentally miss the border and cross illegally because it's an airport and it's yeah. designed for you to go to the border crossing. Yeah, that would be pretty pretty difficult. <laughs> yeah, it's designed I mean, for you to walk too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very, very clear where you should go. Yeah, it is, it is designed so you can pass the border mm. without presenting yourself. While a country is usually not designed 
to funnel you into a border control. So it was definitely a different experience Unless from it's Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that Australia definitely makes that easier. Um, yeah, but it was it was interesting. I'm happy that we don't have to do that uh, again. But all things considered, it was hmm. relatively smooth. Yeah, Sounds feels, good. yeah, feels nice. Mm. So our our tech podcast is now a immigration advice podcast. Don't call it that. Actually, so <laughs> so on this topic, um, I I just thought of this because I'm coming to Canada in June. Mm-hmm. Do I have to? Do I have to get a visa or anything? Uh, I haven't looked into this. I will look into this. Like I'm I'm not taking this as my formal advice, but this just before I've looked into <laughs> it. Do you know if I have to do any of that? So Zach, um, I'm not a immigration lawyer, so I have to get that Noted. out of the way Thank again. You. <laughs> um, you can you can write that down permanently. I don't think that will change anytime soon. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Many people seem interested in getting out. Maybe maybe it's a good business. Yeah, maybe, I I kind of like this stuff, so maybe maybe that's a good alternative when this kind of tech thing doesn't work out. Um, but what you need is a or it's similar to an ESTA. We call it ETA. Um, so it's okay. like an electronic travel authorization. Um, so you also just click it online. You pay seven Canadian dollars and then you can enter the country. Cool. So okay. you don't, you That's don't, great. I mean, I think you should get it quite instantaneously too, like within 24 hours. Okay. So. Yeah. I'm on the, I'm on the website now and it looks like it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, it it is very, no it's very simple. And the website is uh, cool. not looking like it was not made in the 1970s, like the Esther one. <laughs> And hopefully fewer uh, spam sites that try and get you <laughs> to use them instead. I, I know the Esther process is always interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And apparently some of them are legit too, but they charge you more. It's just a bit confusing. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've heard that they're not like as like the dodgy Esther sites aren't as dodgy as they seem. They will actually get you an Esther. It's just they charge like... Yeah, uh, but it's also just more. the ESTA okay. website. I mean, maybe to an American makes sense, but if I see esta.cbp.dhs.gov slash ESTA just doesn't tell me anything. <laughs> um, so does, I mean, I can't really validate whether that uh, URL is a legitimate US government. I don't know. The Canadian one is a lot simpler. Canada.ca. I'm like, okay, I, 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 can, I can parse that. <laughs> I know. Yep. I know what I'm doing here. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that's the, all. That's all you need. As an, I mean, that also again doesn't apply to everyone, but people from uh, yeah Australia, from Australia just go with uh, ETA and you you can enter. Cool. The question about not having to do anything isn't as dumb as it seems because I'm going to Japan in July, and you don't. You just need to show a return ticket upon entry. Um, if you're really? leaving within ninety days, you don't have to apply for any kind of visa, which. I was surprised by it, but yeah, apparently mm. that's the, the policy. So mm. Interesting. It's um, kind of cool. Their policy yeah. is that there is no policy. I mean, if you're going to come to the country and spend money, we'll have you. That's a good <laughs> policy. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool. So much about uh, immigration and traveling. Uh, let's talk about some tech topics instead. What? That's what we're doing here? I mean... That's not what we're doing here, but that's I thought this what tech we're... thing was on the way out. Yeah, yeah I mean, we're we looking that. for alternative avenues. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, based on my Twitter replies, um, immigration is a way more thought after topic than tech. <laughs> Maybe you should tweet more about tech. <laughs> I, I mean, I could try to tweet more in general, but 
Anyways, um, should we talk about tech? Let's do it. Cool. Um, are you guys interested in this? Uh, <laughs> Mac iTunes replacement potential um, by other apps when Marzipan, Mar- Marzipan comes out? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So there was a tweet put out by Steve Chardon-Smith probably almost a week ago now saying that he has it. Uh, he has a good reason to believe that iTunes will be broken up um, and split into dedicated, like, like say that there'll be a dedicated music app, a dedicated podcast app, I guess a dedicated videos or TV app mm-hmm. um, instead of the, the monolith that iTunes video, is now. And I think the TV app has it was something that Apple already sort of confirmed on stage in on mm-hmm. the, in the March event. I mean, yep. not as an app. They no, just, but they did say sure. specifically that it is going to be available on that. Yeah, yeah, but it could have been map. like a website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah, I mean, even uh, with that, if you just follow Apple, you, you probably already I mean, have good reason to believe that this is going to happen, yeah. even without looking into anything yeah. uh, more, more um, I don't know, concrete. Yeah. That was the word. Yeah, but I mean, it does really make sense. I think uh, we've been talking about Marzipan on earlier episodes, and I think it makes sense for Apple to keep on adding more and more apps using this, especially apps that aren't available at the moment. I think something like podcast is a good opportunity because there's not a Mac, a native Mac podcast app, and I think if they have this framework where they can actually port things I from mean, iTunes apps, is the native podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, everything is in iTunes, and I think if they actually mm-hmm. want a dedicated player for it and a dedicated app for it, it makes sense too. It's funny Port how these. everyone everyone was always, I mean, I don't know, probably for the entire time I use a Mac, people were calling for uh, iTunes being broken up into into different pieces and iTunes doing too many things at once. Um, I feel like now now those calls have finally quieted down and now we're getting it. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I think some people so, also worried that the fact that we are getting it means that we will get rid of the actual uh, iTunes. <laughs> I think people yeah, this, might not be happy with This is with what I wanted to, to ask you about. Do yeah. you think that iTunes as we know it, goes away if we have these quote-unquote replacement apps. So, for me, what I first wanted to say about that is, I mean, when when I was hoping for Apple to replace iTunes with something new, it was in a very different time of Apple making Mac applications. You mean um, they actually made them? Yeah, and it seemed like they cared uh, about the Mac application. And usually at that point, still, like each update, I was looking forward to each update to to application, not to the operating system itself, but to applications that Apple made for the platform. Yeah. I feel like over the last few years, that kind of slowed down or, or was less exciting of a change. Um, so now, like... I'm I'm not necessarily looking forward to this. I mean, I'm I we don't know, right? Who knows what how those apps will look? But I feel like Apple is not as much of a usually Apple's application where a a display of what's possible on the Mac. And I feel like the Marzipan stuff as we see it right now is not that. Um, we'll see what happens with it. I I, I don't want to I don't want to judge something that I haven't seen. Um, but I'm just less less optimistic about it than I would have been like five years ago. Um, and to answer your question, Zach, whether uh, I, I just I, 
I think it's unlikely that all the pieces will replace all of iTunes functionality for in its in the first release just because iTunes does so many things like restore like just even um using an uh IPSW file to restore your phone if it's in a really bricked um uh state or something like no, that just for manual backups as well yeah like like actually back it up to yeah, back your phone local up to backups iTunes. but also just restoring your phone right like how how would you i don't think they will move into the new music app because it has nothing no, no i feel like that's something that makes sense to be in like system preferences or something like that i mean it might be like an iphone configurator yeah tool but i i i'm just think there are too many small parts of itunes and too many things that's that are needed for apple to operate all their ios devices in the way they're doing at the moment that i i would be very surprised if there are full replacements for everything yeah I and agree. if they're not full replacements for everything it would be a bad idea to not allow you to have itunes running on on the next generation mac os operating system yeah yeah i i agree i think it makes sense to at least keep the old mac os uh, uh, the old um the old iTunes app around. I think that makes sense to have both of them, all of those apps at the same time, especially if they don't have all the features. Uh, I think that would make sense. Um, and then just roll it out, uh, roll more and more features out and then take it out. But I think the problem is that I guess then you would also need to have all the synchronization across all of the different apps. So do you guys imagine them taking the fun? So if they would separate out and release their own, their separate music app, their separate podcast app and TV app, do you think that would be, that would mean that they remove these features directly from iTunes or would you be able to keep on using iTunes as it is today? I feel like iTunes has to stick around in its current form. Yeah, and I would think so. Too. I would understand if it doesn't get future updates to, for features for Apple Music, for example, or if, you know, mm-hmm. podcasts gain. Hypothetically, I know they have, like, chapter support. I don't know if they have chapter support on the Mac, actually. So, if the podcast app on the Mac gain chapter support, I would understand if iTunes wasn't updated mm-hmm. with feature parity. But iTunes is just, as I think Kai said, it can do so much. I think it can restore almost every iPod ever made, mm-hmm. which is crazy when you think about it. But, you know, this this software is supporting devices which are almost 20 years old or can support devices which are almost 20 years old and i don't imagine a world in which that's taken away um i mean i don't think you can take it away and i don't imagine that they're going to build support for that a with marzipan apps if if the rumor is true and that these apps are using marzipan but b i just don't think it's worth anyone's time to be Mm re-implementing features for devices which are 15 Mm -hmm. years old 20 years old things like that so uh, yeah, I just think the best thing to do would be to keep iTunes around in its current format. And now there are also power user things that iTunes can do that I don't imagine these other apps are going to be capable of. And that's fine. I don't disagree with that approach. But I um, also don't think it's like, I mean, the chances of Apple still having people that are deeply familiar there with all those, uh, even from just from a... Um, development perspective. I mean, a lot of those things in iTunes were built over the last, I don't know, how old is iTunes? 15 years i don't know i'm gonna pull up the copyright thing <laughs> the copyright dialogue and find it's out prob- exactly because it, it's, really yeah, it's probably more it's probably 18 years or something 2000 uh, so 19 years mm. old yeah mm. it's impressive so I, and i mean it's it's c plus plus i would even be surprised if like if there is a single person at apple who's deeply familiar with all the parts of oh wait 
Got a phone call. Someone's popular. Hello. <laughs> Perfect. I bust you in. Thank you. Um. Yeah, I would even be uh, con- Amazon. Uh, yeah, I think so. I would even be surprised. At like 7 p.m. on a Saturday. Your country is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would even be surprised if there is someone at Apple who is deeply familiar with all those things still. You know? Yeah. I mean, realistically, if they would want to, like, just things like CD ripping. Like, yeah. there's no way. Yeah, but they I think will... it's fine. Like, you can keep iTunes around for that. Uh, but I'm wondering, like, in order to encourage people to use those other apps and also to make it easier to only maintain those newer apps um, and the functionality in those newer apps, maybe they should strip those functionality out of iTunes so that people get used to only using iTunes for those things that are legacy things. I just think that's hard. Like, I, I think iTunes is in the state it is because it's such an old project that it's difficult to maintain. I, I don't think just ripping things out will be as easy as it sounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as you say. Like, maybe no one really knows the code base. It might not be... Maybe it shouldn't be the priority. Let me just quickly grab the parcel. And to add to how how awesome this country is, uh, guess when I ordered this parcel <laughs> or this delivery? Probably this morning. Um, at do, 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 eleven a.m. today. Crazy. <laughs> I I was very impressed during the week when I ordered something Monday at lunchtime, and it was or it had arrived by Tuesday at lunchtime. Oh, that's, that's actually that's really good. good too. Too. Well, what's that, dinner? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so mean. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I remember sometimes I ordered some, like I ordered coffee beans from Sydney, like from the other side of Sydney, and I think it took me one and a half week to get them. <laughs> yeah, I should just have started walking when I wanted them. They're trying to be bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But overall, I just think with the iTunes thing, um, I'm, I don't like that I'm not excited. Or it's not that I'm not excited. I'm really looking forward to see w- what's going to happen. And I really hope that that means all those marzipan apps will be incredibly powerful, but I'm definitely not as optimistic as I would have been a few years ago when yeah. if the rumor would have been spread that iTunes gets a rebuild, I would have been excited and looking forward to it. But realistically, these, it. Are, these aren't really, I don't know, are these apps that you would need to... Uh, I think many people think so, but do these apps realistically need to be power apps? They, they don't need to. Uh, in general, nothing really needs to. Yeah. I just think... doesn't mean you shouldn't. I'm just saying these might be good candidate apps for doing something like this. It's another another one that they are speculating um, might be a Marzipan app is the new iBooks app. And I think that would make sense. That seems like quite a simple app. You don't really need a special layout for that. Um, that's specific for Mac. But I'm hoping... I mean, hopefully they're still... Um, integrating the pointing device that you have it's, on the Mac. It's just for me. Um, I mean, again, this is just all based on what Marzipan, what we've seen of Marzipan today. Yeah, what it is today. I'm, I'm, I'm. I mean, I said that before on the podcast. Not a big fan of what I've seen of Marzipan apps today. And yeah, if but I, I would be very surprised if it doesn't get significantly better. That's, that's the thing. There's no way you can ship a news app. Yeah. I mean, maybe they can because they just got they, up on stage and spoke <laughs> about how great news it is. But 
And it's but, awful, uh, yeah. and it needs to improve. And I'm, I think we saw a beta. I hope we saw a beta. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just. I, I think so too. But then again, I wouldn't have shipped the home app either. You know, I wouldn't have shipped. I mean, it's just by default. I, I go towards. I, surely they can ship it. But I've just shipped a whole bunch of them in the way that I think is not a quality standard that I. I'm used to expecting from Apple. And overall, in general, if I look at like apps, I used to prefer almost all the Mac versions of all the apps, all the Apple apps over the iOS ones, just because I thought the iOS ones were always limited. They were kind of, you know. But they have I to mean, be limited, right? But there's no reason why they have to be limited on the Mac. But I'm hoping, like you guys say, it doesn't have to, just because we've seen some Marzipan apps, that's it doesn't mean that that's what these app will look like. I think we have to remember that it was an early stage, it was a beta, and maybe Marzipan will be a lot more advanced later on, and maybe it's something that's maybe they are specifically adapting it to be more for a pointing device, and if, if you have something like a cursor on an iPad in the new um, iPad OS or iOS for iPad, um, this might be better and people might develop it differently um, if it's based off the, uh, off the iPad app. Yeah, but it's also Apple used to be incredibly good at making macOS apps. Like iPhoto was one of my favorite. Like iPhotos was one of the reasons I really wanted a Mac, just because I liked iPhotos. I, I I took a lot of pictures. I liked the way iPhotos displayed them. I liked when they added places. That was one of my favorite announcements in in um, iPhotos that I could see all the all the pictures that I've taken over the time tacked them with locations and then see a map of all the places i visited and those kind of things and they were just really really good applications and i i used to mostly use apple apps on my mac like i used apple mail um until i don't know a few years ago when mail didn't get as many improvements anymore i switched to third-party mail apps but i used to use like all I mean, even iTunes was a really nice app, I thought, when I started using a Mac. And all those things were just really, 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 really good applications by themselves. And usually also a selling point to a lot of people. You, If someone would buy a new Mac, uh, they partially buy it because it's a nice device and whatever, but also the applications that, that come with it. Like preview is is really nice that you get all the pages stuff that you even things like if you open a pdf and you can just sign it and you'd sign it on the trackpad to to get your signature and then you attach it those kind of things i mean they're they're kind of powerful in air quotes but also made the mac this kind of nice system that it is and it wasn't just the operating system itself that was good and it had a lot of depth and being like a unix-based thing allowed you to have a terminal and all those kind of things but the apps that came with it were also having this kind of they were nice and looking nice and had so much power that you would find throughout your usage of it and it was so rare it was kind of this thing right that apple would always um, steal good ideas from other developers and Sherlock other applications, and it was a it was kind of I mean unfortunate for those developers, but it was a, a good thing. Apple's apps got um continuously better to become the default recommendation. If someone would ask for a calendar app, you would say use use the calendar app. If you want yeah. the mail client, use the mail client. Um, and. I'm just, I don't know. I don't want to be negative. I'm just skeptical, and I hope that we that it will continue 
that we continue seeing Apple making great, great Mac apps and that this is not an indication that um, realistically they won't spend time on a Mac and Marzipan being a way of still getting Mac apps updated despite 90% of the focus going on the iOS platform. Yeah, yeah. And I think maybe it doesn't have to be that. Just because you use something like Marzipan doesn't mean that it has to be a lesser no, it doesn't. Potentially. We don't know where Marzipan is going. And mm. maybe it is more specific for Mac once it's installed on them. Like once it's built for Mac. And I think maybe they maybe Marzipan will provide you with the ability to make it very custom and make the look and feel more Mac like. Mm-hmm. And because but we haven't seen it, so I understand why you're skeptical. Mm. And I mean in general, it's just it's not a company that isn't renowned to being able to ship good Mac apps, right? Mm-hmm. If if someone, I mean, a lot of those kind of cross-platform frameworks were by companies that might not have had the best apps on all those platforms in the first place. But Apple is coming from this unique position where they had really good iOS apps, they had really good iPad apps, they had really good macOS apps. But that's why I feel like they are the company that will realize that you can't just make one thing fit all. You need to be able to be more customizable. Hopefully. But they're also, to me, the one that, where where I need something like Marzipan the least from. I, I see yeah. more value in third party than from Apple as first party. I also see the value of them dark. But I also understand why their, Apple Yeah, exactly. Um it's just I, I've seen Apple make incredible I mean and I mean that's probably part of the reason we all use Macs is because Apple makes incredible applications for their platforms. Um and I, I just don't want as, I mean, dog feeding alone is not a reason to to uh, move everything to a new thing that, I mean, is at some type of experimental. Yeah, but I mean, you should dog feed what makes sense to dog feed. Mm. Um, if it's not meant to be used for something like Xcode, maybe you shouldn't make Xcode in Marzipan. Mm. Please don't make Xcode in Marzipan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, but maybe maybe that would be Could great write too. write Swift in VS Code if they made Xcode Marzipan. <laughs> Yeah. No, but, but also- maybe maybe it will be fine, uh, and maybe it is more customizable uh, for the pl- specific platform, and maybe it will be more powerful than we've seen in other apps, and maybe it's just that news in the current the stocks app needed to be simple, they didn't need to be that specific. Um, but we'll see, and I think hopefully this will also encourage people to make s- more specific iPad apps, and maybe that will also change people's approach, and they make a more pro-user iPad app, which will also make the Mac app very pro-friendly, pro-focused. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting because I think a lot of the discussion around Marzipan when it was announced was that, oh, great, this is going to be fantastic for indie developers to bring their already great iOS apps across to the Mac. And if you're talking about something like a podcast player, then that's probably a net win. If there's a, a podcast app that you use that they're not willing or the developers aren't willing or able to invest the resources in a native Mac app, then it's better to have a non-native, like non-quote-unquote native Mac app, um, as you would get from Marzipan, than to have no app at all. But I don't know if it's the best approach for Apple to be using this for their own apps. I think it made yeah. sense for something like Notes. Oh, sorry, not Notes, um, News. Mm-hmm. And, um, because that didn't exist on the Mac previously, but for them to take something that is a native app and bring that and, and rewrite that with like a non-native framework, maybe, I, I don't know. I, like, I don't want to judge it until it's out because it could be amazing. And even if it was pretty close to the music app on iOS and it didn't have any odd bugs, I'd be mostly okay with that. 
Uh, I think it's just it, a lot remains to be seen, but it is mm. sort of interesting how they're talking about bringing or converting, I suppose, existing apps to Marzipan. I find that a little bit interesting. But I think Notes and is actually books would be another a good. Case. I think Notes is actually a good counter example because it is an app. If you use it on a Mac or on iOS, they feel very Wait, native. Notes or news? Sorry, Notes. Notes yeah. isn't. Marzipan. Exactly. But I feel like that is a good counter example of what Apple... I mean, it's a more recent app because I said most of the more recent apps are... Mm. Uh, but not- I don't think it makes sense for Apple to rewrite it, though, because Notes no, is no, already no, no. available. No, my, my point is when Apple wrote... Re- Apple uh, added the... or updated the Notes app or added... What's their Notes app? Anyway, the, the Notes app on macOS is a very native-feeling good app on iOS and macOS. And hmm. it feels very macOS-y on a Mac. It feels very iOS-y on iOS. Uh, but it has mostly the same amount of features. So I feel like that is a really good example of how an app that yeah. has shares a lot of the same feature set still hmm. being uniquely behaving like they are on or feeling and home if, on yeah. the platforms. So I feel like that is actually a good example of what I would like those type of apps to look like. Yeah, yeah. That's what Marzipan should strive to be, right? It mm. should be something that gives such a nice feel, a nice experience on both platforms, but are still containing the same feature set. And I feel like they could, it could. It shouldn't be, it wouldn't be that much more work from the developer's point of view. Um, but they need to take care of the interface for that, mm. uh, like the UI interface for that. And, Oh, UI interface. Uh, they need to take care of the UI for that. And I feel like they... I'm hoping that they do. Mm. I mean, we will all sit in that keynote and... Uh, Be disappointed. <laughs> patiently waiting for yeah. for what's being shown on stage. It's I mean, good, though. Like, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I'm so excited. But it's going to be... It's going to be interesting. I know. I, I really want to... I, I mean, I, I do think it's possible to, to make that n- good. So I, I want to be positive, but I'm definitely more doubtful, doubtful but yeah, than that. I think if anyone can make a good cross-platform tool, or not language, but por- 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 make something portable across different platforms, that should be Apple. It's just hard, right? It, I mean, even Apple just, just realizes that you need to have two different platforms, and I feel like they realize the benefit of a Mac over an iPhone, over an iPad. We were... St- struggling thinking like many people doubted that for a while but i feel like now apple has made it very clear that they really care about the mac and i think they do see the different use cases so i'm hoping that that means that they will make it as native as possible compared to other companies that have tried to do this yeah well <laughs> i mean it's just the mac is, is the platform where where you have this uh, deeper depth of functionality, and that's yeah. that's why most people that use a Mac that I mean, you there's a reason why people use a Mac over an iPad. Um, I mean, despite the iPad selling better, there is a reason why people like to work on an on their Macs, on their iMacs, on their MacBooks. Um, and part of that to me is applications. So it needs to, to have that kind of quality and depth and ability. It also just means, I mean, on iPhone, you might not have the same amount of management or like for, for your music library, you don't have the same level of management, um, that you would have on a Mac. Uh, that doesn't mean, and despite, and there being more users on iOS, that doesn't mean the iOS app is better just because there are more users, right? just means that platform just lends itself to be 
more more limited in the feature set because you're using it kind of more portable well the mac might be something that where you're ha more happy to spend like an hour uh, figuring out the exact smart playlist to play your music and yeah we'll see. how much time do you spend to pick this playlist an hour i don't know <laughs> You're know. just meant to let the algorithm decide the music <laughs> for you. Yeah. Give up, Kai. Give up. <laughs> but it's also just, I don't know, it is hard. I mean, I if I would make an app, obviously there is, like, you have to put yourself in a different mindset when you're making an app for a different platform. Even for something that's similar enough, uh, like, I, like an iPhone and an iPad, there's still different things you might want to be able to do with those apps, despite them potentially being universal app. You might still want to add more, more kind of uh, uh, create features on on an, on the iPad that you might not necessarily necessarily show on 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 the iPhone. And even there, you have to think about like how do you want to do it with the split view and being able to show more and maybe let let users do more. It's just they are fundamentally different platforms that require different approaches so it is just a really really difficult way of of making something that that works that has because realistically i don't think the iphone will have the same feature set for the same app i don't know if the iphone version needs the same feature set of the mac but i feel like if if we're targeting that the ios version would kind of default to be the most popular one and therefore the one that gets the most attention and we might lose Mac-specific things, Mac-specific features yeah. as a result yeah. of that. That's the, yeah. I guess that's yeah. my, my, my fear in a way. It's a, it's a valid concern. Absolutely. Hmm. All right. Um, yeah. Let's see. Let's just wait and see how it goes at WWDC. Hmm. I'm looking forward to it. I'm not worried. I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Social policy is closing. No, what are we going to do at WWDC? Okay. Uh, what is social policy, Zach? Social policy is probably the best cafe in San Jose, at oh, least wow. for coffee. <laughs> uh, you okay, a that is, bar. that's your opinion. I do not subscribe that, to that one. I, I do. What did, you, what did you think was better? Um, I think B2. I enjoyed B2 more. And B2 is far away, though. Yes. Okay, so you haven't been there. The best. It's like a thing of CBD being there. Area. Um, <laughs> let me just check uh, what the other one was. Okay. Do you want to just continue talking about? Um, yeah, I would politics? say both chromatic and B two. I enjoyed more. Chromatic, chromatic was, was good. Oh yeah. Wait, B two um, was right really next to conference that, center, right? Sorry, it was. Was B two next to a conference center? Okay. No. What was that one called? I forgot. That one was okay. Mm. Anyways, um, I know I what social policy is. I many trips up to Chromatic. Many? Wasn't it on the two? Yeah, I th went most days. Uh, maybe I didn't go with you every day, but oh, oh, okay. I went most days, I think. Okay, good good for you. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I had to get the afternoon coffee fix. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I know what social policy is, uh, but I thought for the listeners, it might be nice if we talk, if we explain what this is. So my um, my favorite part of social policy is just that it's very nicely located between our yeah, hotel a and the conference center. It's a cafe slash coffee shop that's very nicely located, very close to coffee sh uh, to the conference center, and they do make decent coffee. Uh, they're slow with making the coffee. They make decent <laughs> oh, coffee. So slow. <laughs> um, thanks so for getting you, there. If you ever had three hours between two sessions, you could go there for, <laughs> for coffee. 
Yeah. But they also um, had decent food and they had, they had really like good nice food. outdoor seating. And that was really good because it was the Fairmont is probably one of the more popular hotels that people stay at uh, during the conference. And then there's obviously the uh, the conference center. So that uh, social policy was kind of in between the two. So when you were sitting outside in, in, I mean, it was summer, California, you would sit outside, drink your coffee or eat something. You would just see people passing by constantly, start chatting. It was really nice to, uh, a really nice place to to just spend some time in between other things um and that place is now closed what does closed mean is it actually closed forever or is yeah. it closed during the wwdc no closed forever apparently. really mm. why and that that is annoying for two reasons first of all because it was a nice place second of all when i built bean there i didn't actually think of places closing permanently so now <laughs> i had to add a new flag and figure out a ui to show permanent to close places Huh. Do you know why they closed? Um I I don't I I mean I didn't speak to any of their owners, but I assume Where apparently that location is kinda expensive and nothing really sustains. Okay. Where did you guys hear about this? You mean one week of coffee sales can't sustain a <laughs> year? And not with that speed of making them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just joking. The coffee was really good, but I do understand like it's hard to maintain something like that. It was quite a big space as well. Um, but maybe, I mean, maybe they open up something else. Maybe someone else is coming in there. I doubt it would happen before WWDC though, but could happen because it is still a prime spot. So if you have a more, maybe if you have a restaurant or a pub or something that's open a bit later, uh, that could work. It could be still be a nice place for people to catch up at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Potentially. It was an, it was a nice, it had a nice vibe to it, I think, during the mm. conference week. And, you mm. know, just, Sort of, you'd see the similar people there every morning, say hello to them, catch up, that kind of thing. Um, and do you remember a few mornings in particular? It just, it just felt really homely, I guess. Yeah. It was also it was really, a go-to really nice. meeting spot. It's like when, Absolutely, whenever yeah. you want to meet someone and you didn't have a fixed time, you would just go to the social policy, order a coffee, sit in the sun, wait for the other people to show up. So it was just this kind of prime location. It was within walking distance from everyone's hotel, everyone's other everyone or all the other venues that would be in the area was just a really good place for that and now we do no longer have that yeah it is a bit unfortunate (laughs) yeah Yeah. but it's okay we'll have to find new places we shouldn't tell people about chromatic coffee shh (laughs) (laughs) to follow us there i think i actually like b2 better if i okay you have to tell me where these are we will have to go to b2 Where is P2? I have to be the I've been there. It's, it's basically two blocks from Chromatic. Cool. Okay. Well, I do have a whole, what, 24 extra hours before you get there. So, I'll have to try all the coffee places, add them to being there or add my reviews to being there. And then we can find new ones on Monday. No, it'll be good. <laughs> um, B2 is it's, currently it's having a five-star average of, um, so, at least- How many the, ratings? Um, four. Oh, not bad. Mm. Okay. Well, we'll have to definitely have to check it out. So. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure we find a better a, another place to to have coffee at. It's just a, I feel like the, I'm, I'm sorry, San Jose, but there are already quite a few. There are not that many places to go, <laughs> um, so having one less is making it harder, especially for breakfast options. Um, there, yeah, there are some, we spoke about that before. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to get into this again. Like, there are some good dinner places, or at least. Um, like fast, like not fast food, uh, diners that you can go to, which is quite good. But for breakfast, there are not that many options. Mm. Um, I thought the uh, 
dinner places were pretty limiting too. Yeah. Did yeah. we end up at that burger place a lot of the time? <laughs> I like the burger place. <laughs> I really didn't. Oh. Okay. <laughs> well, well, I should say my blood sugar really didn't. Yeah. That was probably the main concern. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's okay. We'll make it work. Mm. It'll be a good week. Yeah. Mm. I'm sure it will be. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Do you guys want? Uh, do you guys have anything that you like this week? Have you been uh, enjoying any yeah. uh, app or any hardware stuff? Is there anything you guys want to talk about? Ooh, before we before we start that, I also have a I don't know a list follow up. <laughs> uh, I think that's okay. first. Yeah. Um, mostly it's becoming a list follow up now because I forgot it in the. In our original follow-up that we skipped today. Um, so, I said my Taptic engine is not getting stuck oh, anymore in 12.2. Yeah, I 12. remember it. Yeah. Uh, it mm-hmm. got stuck once since I said uh, it. Yeah. And mine- so overall, it seems to still be better, but yeah. it happened once. And I realized after Kai said this that my haptic feedback engine also gets stuck t- sometimes. I just didn't really realize it. I thought... I just got apps mixed up. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, hey Kai, didn't this have used to have haptic feedback? And I just thought that the, per- the developer of the app had removed the haptic feedback from this app, uh, or I got it confused with a different app. And Kai's like, "Yeah, mine still has it, and we're still on the on the same version." And then we realized that my haptic feedback and then was also yeah, getting. So you're off. welcome. I made your phone slightly worse for you. Yeah, thank you. Mm. Wow, so I still haven't noticed this problem, but maybe, maybe I will. No, I think I Kai, you mentioned that it potentially could be that. In order to use the haptic feedback engine, you need to prepare the haptic feedback you, engine? You don't have to. It's just recommended to to tell the um, haptic engine to prepare itself so you then get a better response on, on the actual feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what what might happen if someone tries to fire a whole bunch of... I mean, Apple would, should probably handle that in the frameworks to make sure that there's nothing happening. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Okay, but yeah, maybe that maybe that's the cause of it. Um, maybe it's a. I feel like I don't really notice this with uh, Apple's apps. I've noticed it more with third-party apps. So maybe it's a specific SDK thing. Yeah. Anyway, just want to say it. It, it feels like it's still better, but um, than before. But it's definitely not gone. I will try to pay more attention to when it happens. I wonder if it's a specific app that does something, or if it just happens after a certain amount of usage, or. Uh, if there's like any kind of discernible yeah I only noticed it with a specific app but then again I didn't realize this was a problem until very recently (laughs) so I'm gonna pay more attention to this Mm. Mm. cool all right Zach do you have something you like this week sure so I think we established this precedent last week where you picked a jewel pick Kai uh oh Kai why did you start this one (laughs) <laughs> yeah, look, I'm a bit ashamed to be to be breaking the rules. But that is good. I think it's very fitting this week. So we spoke earlier about the stickers and the T-shirt with mm-hmm. the Cup of Tech logo on them. So I'm going to go with the jewel pick for the companies that make them. Mm. So the T-shirt was T-shirts Plus, and they're like Sydney based. So I mean, you can look them up if you want. Um, <laughs> It's pretty pretty good t-shirt. Like it's pretty comfortable. Um, I have some other tech t-shirts which are also the same t-shirt brand. So 
uh, and I've been pretty happy with those shirts. Like they're nice and comfy. So I think this is um, this is on par with that, which is really good. And then the stickers we got through Sticker Mule, who uh, and both of these places, their shipping was really fast. Um, their turnaround time was really good. I think I only ordered them like a week ago, and yeah, magic happens. They arrive somewhere. So I was pretty happy with both of those companies. The stickers are high quality. The t-shirt's really good quality. The, the print on the t-shirt is actually impressively high quality. So they are my two picks. Nice and short, but we have another jewel pick. Who wants to go next? Okay, I have a pick. Uh, I'm gonna pick a. Um, I'm gonna pick a game this time, and it's called Mini Metro. It was. Oh, a this while- is a good one. Yeah. I've actually played this. Ah, <laughs> look at that. Zach played something. <laughs> um, it's a really good game, isn't it? It's It's really fun. Yeah. I see why you would play this because I think you're a little bit interested in public transport. So I feel like yeah, a mini yeah, metro game is a game that you would, at, like by default, be attracted to trying. Um, <laughs> so it is. Like that's pretty much what it is. It's like a way for you to create a metro station, um, and you have to sort of manage. Um, it's it's a very nice looking game. You basically have all those stops that you need to go to, and it starts out being like two different stops, and then you need to make um, train lines between those stops in order for people to be able to, be able to go between. Uh, and it's not it's not at all like it's a very simple looking game. So you just see like um. You don't see people going to it, but you see some type of range of how busy the station is, indicated by a few dots. And the busier it is, the more trains you have to put on that line. Um, and your goal is to like not get the overflow on a line. And it's getting harder and harder because there are more and more stops popping up. So you need to go to those stops and extend your line. And you can only do certain moves um, after each other. So it's a little bit hard because you need to actually... You can either, I think, buy a new stop or extend a train line. And for that, you need to really make decision on what what you need more urgently, and you really need to make sure that people are able like to actually get to the most busy train lines, and that people are able to that the train isn't overfull because there are only certain spots on each train. And it's a really really fun game, and it's I think it's also speeding up after a while. Is that is that true? I think yeah, yeah. more is happening, and yeah, like you the. Yeah. the the train stops are filling up more quickly, but the trains keep on going in the same speed. Mm-hmm. So you have to like put more and more trains on each line. Um, yep. So it's very challenging. It's it harder after to manage. Yeah, yeah. It is quite challenging. Yeah, and it's also a have maximum. The- oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, there's also a maximum of how many lines you can have. So you have to sort of be conscious that you don't add too many on the same stops because they need to be able to reach other other stops later on. So that makes it more challenging. What did you ask, Zach? If I tried. Have you tried the endless mode where it doesn't matter how busy each train or each stop is? You just oh. have to keep building it out? No, I haven't tried that. It's interesting. Huh. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, in that way, it's you probably basically- better if you want to sit back and relax and play the game for relaxation reasons yeah yeah it is in the beginning it's in the beginning the other mode is also very relaxing but it quickly gets like a little bit more stressful because (laughs) you know yeah like you you basically have to make things within a certain time otherwise the uh, people will be upset at the station so you have to make sure that you pick them up in time um I also, and really I, also like... I really like the Mac version of this one. Oh, I there's a Mac version it's a really, mm. yeah I think it makes a really good Mac game hmm um, I should check that out. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I also uh, also played it and I also really enjoyed it. For me, the, the endless mode kind of 
games in general that have endless modes always kind of do the reverse of what they're supposed to. While some people say it's super relaxing, I find it super un uneasy because yeah. somehow it feels like this could go forever. I could, I could, <laughs> I, I don't know. I could waste my entire entire. <laughs> time i have left in my life i could <laughs> spend on this one round of this game it feels wow. somehow very brings me too close to to uh having to deal with uh crisis. yeah the 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 <laughs> the concept that all of our ends are live uh, all of our lives are ending at some point every time i see endless i'm like it's not technically endless it just means it ends when i'm no longer around wow somehow that adds a lot of stress wow this but, this made this game so much deeper. <laughs> but as long as you're uh, somehow more sanely wired, maybe <laughs> that is also a good option. But yeah, I, I really enjoy the non-endless mode that is not def the, yeah limited by my own life. That's funny because, I mean, otherwise you could just keep on playing one level and keep on failing at the level. Yeah, but After it feels like another, I don't know. It it, still, I, you could still waste a very it, long it time. It feels better it. when I know the game will finish before me. <laughs> I kind of get what you mean. There's a definite end. Like if you if if you're playing in endless mode, you might not want to pull away. Whereas mm -hmm. if you finish a level, or even if you lose a level and you don't proceed, you can still call that a a stop point sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, okay. overall good okay. game. Uh, uh, I hope other people don't get existential crisis for playing this. <laughs> it was not my intention, people. So please don't, please don't blame this on me. Uh, mm. Blame it on Kai. Um, but I would definitely recommend this game. People, people should try it out. And um, yeah, it's fun. Also, you can have different maps for different cities as well. So it makes it a bit challenging. Sometimes you have like rivers in between. That makes it really hard. And yeah, that makes it a lot more fun. So mm. you guys should try it out. Also fun if you happen to see specific metro or use specific metro maps that align with places you've been to or places you live. Mm. Um it's kind of fun to have the colors of your local public transport system. Vancouver is a oh, part of it. Are the colors yet, actually so. matching the colors of the mm -hmm. actual transport systems? Mm -hmm. oh, that's cool. I didn't know. Yeah. So we now have to lobby for uh, uh, Sydney and Vancouver as color options. I mean, we talked about it in this podcast. I'm sure they will do it now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. All right. So for me, my pick... Um, it's a bit more of a utility type uh, application just because I've done a lot of uh, that kind of work over the last few weeks. And that is um, Postico, which is a uh, basically a graphical user interface for managing what is databases. It Postico. Postico. Yeah. Postico. Okay. So it's a, um, yeah, it's a PostgreSQL um, database client. Um, and all my previous projects always used, uh, or, the majority of them use MySQL, and MySQL had really nice Mac apps with SQL Pro and Curious, and I really liked them. But for this project, for, for a whole bunch of different reasons we probably don't need to get into, unless you guys are very curious, um, I decided to go with uh, Postgres, and then I wanted to find a new... Um, yeah, client to 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 use for, mm -hmm. just because I, I don't really like working in the... Uh, in the command line for for database operations um i see that so i i used um i i tried a whole bunch of different clients and at the moment i'm using postico and i quite enjoy that it feels very macy it's it's definitely a native app that behaves kind of what you would expect from a mac app uh so all text input and all those kind of things just feel exactly 
as you would expect from a Mac app. Um, it is kind of pricey. I think it's like 50 bucks or something. Um, but you can get quite far with a free version. I think there are... With the what, sir? With a free. Oh, okay. They do have a free tier um, that lets you... Uh, bringing up the website just now. <laughs> um so the free one is is limited to so you get like a prompt every now and then that asks you hey do you want to pay for it um every time you you disconnect from database um and i think there's a limit of you can only favorite five options and you can only have one single window open per connection uh and like certain other small limitations i mean it's definitely enough to 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 try it out and get an idea of whether it's something you want to use or not um and if i mean it's it's most likely going to be something that is uh i mean i i use it for hours every day and i think for me personally it's um the 50 i got my 50 dollar worth in uh, out of it and i'm also always happy to being able to support uh mac os developers while we still have them um so yeah that's that's my pick just a native uh uh postgres client cool mm. cool awesome um i think that's the show that is a show that is the show oh yeah look at this what happened during the during a recording on Kai's amazing iMac. Oh, wow. Wait, so that came through in a screenshot? Yeah. Mm. So it's not a display issue? No, I think it's it, it, it seems like a GPU issue. <laughs> wow. So for those who listen to this, um, who are not figuring out what we're talking about, um, this basically happened during the recording. Kai got a... Like a chessboard of um, red um, squares on his on his computer screen, just randomly, and I, I mean, think not not squares. Aren't they squares? No, they're rectangles. Okay, they're rectangles. Um, fancy. Um, so he could only see certain parts of the screen because the other ones were covered with the rectangles. And it yeah, just happened again. Concerning. By the way, um, how do you get rid of it? You have to take a screenshot. Uh, it after that. Moving some windows around around sometimes fixes it i don't know i'm i'm new to this issue i'm not i don't know uh but not a not a big fan of all of uh, gpu artifacts yeah yeah so i think you might should go to the apple store with that so how how good that it's such a portable computer that i can just <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> how much easier would it be if you had a real computer uh, uh yeah i'll see i'll see but it just works so you're fine yeah i mean <laughs> Uh, I really don't want to deal with this. I know, I know, it's very annoying. Do do Apple pick them up for repairs here? I don't know. I don't know. We've Hopefully. not had to return anything in Canada just yet. I'll see. Yeah. Maybe it's a good, a good, a good excuse to upgrade to one of those new 2019. IMAX. And then do what with this? Just this keep one. It, keep it as a furniture. No, no. Maybe I can convince Apple to just take it back and and upgrade me to one of those 2019 ones. Would be okay timing. I I think we need to talk about this screenshot very quickly. Okay. Uh oh. Which of my billion apps are you complaining about? All of them. Why are there so many apps open? And what? Okay, there's so many in your dock for starters that none of them are in your dock permanently. They're all in the like recently opened section of your dock, yep. and they're all 
open. What do you need all of these apps for? <laughs> because the, he can. This is like, incredible. This is why he can't work from a laptop because he just forgets <sighs> to close things. It's not this about is stressful. <laughs> um, I can hear you're not used to working from a computer that actually has RAM. Um, I'm only That's using. That's true, but. I'm only, I'm only using 26 gigabytes of RAM, so I still have plenty left. Um, I mean, overall, the entire right side is uh, full of apps that I don't use permanently, with an exception of... But they're all open. Yeah, because I over the last day or so, I, I happened to open them. And never close them again. Over the last day or so, I happened to open them. <laughs> <laughs> You know how I struggle every day to use the, to to really be able to continue opening new like to to be able to open other apps while I have so little RAM. Like I'm struggling so much. I'm closing every single thing <laughs> as soon as I'm done with it. Like I barely I keep system preferences open. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's so annoying. And you're like, look at this. I just opened this three weeks ago, and I keep them open. I mean, it's just I don't know. I mean, We're just it's just jealousy, kind. Okay? It is. It is, but it's also funny to talk about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in general, I just moved Tower over because Tower really had no reason to be on the wrong side of the dock. Um, Wait, by wrong side, you mean it should be in the recently open section and not permanent? It should be permanent. No, right? Tower it should, should be, be permanent. permanent yeah. So I moved okay, it over. Good. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, overall, it's just, I don't know. I. To, my dog represents the current state of what I'm doing. Of your mind? <laughs> yep. So at the moment, it's just there are a whole bunch of things that I've been doing over the last few days, and there's no reason to close them. Why would I lose my my current Windows setup in in Transmit or in in Paw or any of the other apps? It's just that is a representation of my current state. I'll close state them all. State restoration. It exists. It works. <laughs> Yeah, but then I don't like, have them open the anymore. The Mac Tracker app. Why is the Mac Tracker app open? <laughs> I used it. Like, Are you referencing your AirPods? Like, <laughs> I I actually used it during our recording today to figure out when, or trying to figure out when iTunes was released. But it's been open longer than Audio Hijack. Yeah, because I I looked at something last time we recorded. <laughs> <laughs> so like four weeks ago when we spoke about it, it's just it's just been sitting there open. Yeah, it's all right. It it's is. cool. Yeah. I, I use this I use that app twice or so a week, uh, so it, it got to stay open. Yeah, I'm surprised you can have all of those things open and Slack at the same time. <laughs> yeah, Slack is definitely one that I I I. Shit close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um Yeah. That's that's what RAM gets you. You you, mm. you can have wow. Slack open. This is like a dream slash <laughs> <I know>. nightmare. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. No. Yeah, you shouldn't complain about your squares on the screen. You're fine. You have you have RAM. <laughs> that's all you need. Yeah. As long as you can see that dock. Yeah. It's a work of art. Exactly. It is weird though that the dog is unaffected by the GPU artifacts. Maybe the dock is causing the GPU right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Got to render all those icons. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, but I'm a big advocate of just don't close anything until you're done with it. Um, I probably won't close, realistically, I won't close Xcode for the rest of my career. Ouch. That sounds depressing. Big yeah. But there's there's never a reason. Why would I close Xcode? It's like sometimes Xcode I, closes itself yeah, like that, every half that. an hour. <laughs> yeah, Xcode <laughs> definitely does close itself every like 
I don't have it every half an hour. I have it every every couple of days. It closes itself. Then I bring yeah, it back I up. Yeah, I tend to have that. But then when it closes itself, it's pretty likely to do it again and again and again and again. Okay, That's, I don't have that. I'm, I'm pretty... I, I get the repeated thing. And this is on my work computer, which is a perfectly reasonable computer with a lot of RAM. This is not just on my personal one, but anyway. So Marlon sent her doc, and that's perfectly normal. There's three apps open that aren't Finder. Mm. But why would you ever close anything? <sighs> here we go. Because I'm recording but a podcast old here. Tweetbot, Marlon. Come on. You need dark mode. <sighs> yeah, but I barely ever use Tweetbot on my Mac. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But I mean, I have family sharing, so I can just download it because Kai already got it. Mm. So I should do that. You um, should. The dark mode thing is nice. See, I don't really use dark mode at all. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Would you use it on iOS, do you think? Uh, no, I'm curious, because there seems to be a pretty definite divide of people's opinions, whether they think dark mode yeah, is at I, all valuable I, or not. I think it's valuable, and I would like to like it, but I don't. It's the same with um, with the different themes in Xcode. I think many people really like the dark theme uh, in Xcode, and they've used even before dark mode was a thing. But I never really found it to be appealing. I feel like it's not really... I'm not really focusing it easy on dark backgrounds, and I don't know. I also found it to be, if I look at something that I'm working on, I want to have like a bright and light interface. Like it just feels like the dark is feeling heavier by default. Okay, um, you want to be so put think... in a good mood by the apps you're using. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's like it's just I, I think it feels like more nimbleness when you have the the lighter. Um, okay. no, fair enough. And you're, you're, I'm also, I'm every uh, light mode every day, but you're complaining about my dog, and I see in yours, first of all, a third party terminal, then multiple email clients, multiple browsers, and you're complaining about, uh, about my dog. At least I don't have two browsers open simultaneously. I what? can defend that. Okay. All right. You're a web developer now? <laughs> no, we do a podcast. And I can't download our files from Google Drive in Safari. And you but need to download files. I think it might be my content blocker. But, but you can still go to Google Drive and just use them directly from Safari. No, not a, not a logic project. or I mean, you can an MP3, but I want to download it and save it. I don't want to just listen in Yeah, but you're Google not doing Drive. that right now. Sure, but it's... it's <laughs> you're like And I haven't run out of RAM in the last <laughs> two hours. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh-huh. okay. And you're, um, the you're mail also clients, doing- I, I have a work account and a personal one, and, and it's y- nice to be able to close the work one if I don't want to get those emails. And, but because at the moment you are, you obviously have to have Outlook open because you're you're well, actively it's, it's answering work emails. There's no unread emails. Mm-hmm. If and there you- were unread emails, then it would probably get my attention and I'd have to close it. And you're obviously also working on Xcode at the moment because you're very strictly closing things when you're not using them. I have an Xcode project open, yes. Yep. And you're in the middle of something. You're also listening to music, so it's good that iTunes is open. Oh, no, that opened because I plugged my phone in. That's really frustrating. (laughs) That's actually a good excuse. I I don't want... You can turn turn that off. iTunes opens 99% of the time when I don't want it. No, I know you can turn it off, and I tried to turn it off. I thought I did that. It started opening again. So, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe I did it on my work computer. I don't remember these things, but I feel like I've done that. Anyway, I was switching a bunch of devices this morning and it just, it was really frustrating. Mm. Anyway, easier to leave it open sometimes. 
So I think I think you're secretly also a person that wants to leave everything open. <laughs>